Welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is episode 253. This is Andy Steiger. I'm hosting the podcast this morning. Feeling good. Jeff, on the other hand, is not feeling so good. No. In fact, you're feeling so bad. Well, actually, I should introduce a couple people here first. How about introduce me? All right, Jeff. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, To my left here is... uh, Ezra. Ezra. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, had, you had forgotten my name. No, I was giving you an opportunity to say your name. No, 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 no. You should have. Hey, Ezra, what's my me? last name? I have no idea. What's your last name, Jeff? Do you do remember? I just want to let everybody know that, Ezra, how long did you work here? And you, 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 what did I you call me? I butchered your name, did I? Yeah, it was like you work here for like five <laughs> years and you, you called me Jeff Book, Bookman. Bookman. Book, Bookman. <laughs> Jeff, you, you, you're a very complicated human No, being. I'm not. So I just couldn't believe that you didn't difficult. actually know my last name. It's just difficult sometimes to keep up. Didn't All right. your son Good get you, a hockey Jeff. or a baseball jersey with it spelled wrong too? Who? Buckman? Yeah, my son Buckram was oh, Buckram. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I'm going to interrupt here and introduce our female that's here. Our female. <laughs> that sounds really weird. Can I, I'm just going to rewind that. Okay, rewind that. Our, Take two. What the fourth person we have here? I'm giving the pause wow, there. The you pause can't... there is for you to go. Yeah, it's Crystal. You're struggling now. I'm here. I'm Do you Crystal. need a shovel? Good grief! <laughs> Does anybody not know the pause? You pause and then you go like, "Hey, it's no, no, me. no, 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 no." Andy, don't start okay, making new culture here. Okay, Shh. I'm Crystal. I'm here. Welcome, Crystal. Happy we're, to be here. <laughs> we're so glad that you're here. Do I suck that bad? Is that all that's going on here? No, totally. You, you did fine. All right. Clearly, I need to host some more. You do. Um, Hey, I'm I'm glad to be here. This is fun to host. And, you know, having Ezra and Crystal here, it's great to have you here. Uh, it's been, it seems like it's been a while, Ezra. Oh, come on. I it just does. missed last week. It does. It feels like it's been a while. No, it's been a while since you've been here. At any rate, it feels like it's been so long. Ezra, tell us a little bit about Mission Campus. How's things going over there? Well, things are going well at the Mission Campus. Uh, the Lord is uh, good. We have two services. For those who don't know, Northview Community Church, we took over church and mission, um, running a ministry there. Um, uh, we started last year in uh, February, and the Lord has really granted us a lot of favor. We have two services, a 9 and 11 o'clock service. We have uh, young families showing up. We have some seniors showing up, and people who are my age, 40s, and all their young families, kids, and all that showing up. So it's a really, really great ministry. Uh, we have a building project that's happening over there. When we took over the, the ministry that used to be Northside Community Church, they had begun building a gym, but uh, it was unfinished. And so we're still in the process of uh, getting that uh, building done. So Where is it in that process, Ezra? So right now they, they were doing the behind-the-walls kind of stuff, so the wiring and everything in between there. And then uh, I think, I believe this week, they are now doing all the drywalling and all that and now doing the, the finish that you will see when you walk into so the So if building. I walk in there by the end of this week, I should I should be able to see... Some significant changes, just yeah. in terms of like what it looks like on the inside. Yeah. So when kind of when Not we just... took over, when we took over, it was just uh, studs that had been uh, put up like walls. So you just see bare wood, uh, the the structure, the skeleton. But I'm guessing by the end of this week and maybe early next week, yeah, you'll be you'll be seeing now finished walls in terms of drywall on it and things like that and obviously fixtures flooring and the rest of it they're hoping to have this ready for so we 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 were aiming for the building to be
be finished by the end of June. But again, because of a few um, setbacks, and also we were going to build an extension on the outside to have some storage for this uh, big facility. So that will put us a little bit far behind on time. But we are hoping that at least by the end of July, God willing, Mm -hmm. the building will already be finished, inspected, and ready for occupancy. So God willing, August, we should be hopping in there. But that's, again... um, we are being hopeful because at the end of the day, when you finish a building, it has to be inspected. And especially if it's a public uh, venue where people from the community will be coming in, you, the the city will want to make sure that it is safe and all the code is up to up to date and all that in terms of just yep. the facility being able to be used. And away we go. So we are hoping that by uh, end of uh, by August we'll be in, and then once we move, once it's ready. We will you get a new office as part of that. Yeah, we'll get new offices because the, the new building will have an office space and then classrooms from children's ministry. And then we'll have a big gym where we'll have all sorts of events happening, right. both ministry-related and then community-related. We want to invite the community to also be a part of what it is that we're doing um, at the Mission Campus. We invite the so community we're, to use it. We're kind of we're planning on having sort of a, a kickoff mm-hmm. uh, inauguration Yes. Of the finished campus. Yes. Kind of in September. Yes. So, and we are hoping to have that kickoff uh, the week after we have our big fall kickoff festivities here in uh, Downs Road, Abbotsford. So, uh, the week after that, and I'll just pull up my calendar here and give you the the exact date. And that's So, what's going to be involved there? Some bouncy castles, some so, hot dogs. Oh, yeah. You... Mm-hmm. So you walking around shaking hands, <laughs> shaking hands, and also we we will be in, we'll be encouraging our our membership to invite their neighbors to right. come out, uh, young families, things like that. That will be Sunday, September eighteenth. Sunday, September eighteenth, and again we'll have two services running um, at the Mission Campus. So it'll be after the eleven o'clock service. So we are hoping that the festivities will be will be starting at about twelve thirty. Do you run two services all the way through the summer? No, actually, during the summer we will be scaling back to one service so we will do that at the end of june so the first weekend in july that will be july 3rd i believe is the date where we'll be going down to one singular service and um are you praying for a cold summer <laughs> wow because that's the the last building summer was yeah boiling hot the right? building gets hot brother yes yes the, the building gets hot now we did put in um a heat pump last year but it was just just to add more heat to it <laughs> No, to try and uh, just remove the edge because the size of the furnace there is not big enough to hold a heat pump that would be big enough to provide cool air to cool the entire uh, sanctuary. So it should be a little building. bit better, though. So the edge will be off a little bit, but not. But but for those who work with uh, furnaces and things like that, you'll understand the language here. We need about three uh, thirty thousand pounds of cool air oh, to yeah. cool the building. Thirty thousand. Thirty thousand pounds of cool air, but the heat pump that has been installed can only give out five thousand. So why, why would they call it a heat pump, man? Why not a cold pump? Now that is a very complicated question they, that I don't think I listeners know. would be interested in. So it gives out five thousand, <laughs> and you need thirty thousand. Yeah, so and and the reason for the small the reason for the small uh, heat pump 
pump is not because we didn't want to get a bigger one. It's just because the furnace that was in the building at the time could only handle a specific size right. of heat pump. So, so we're stuck. So we're stuck in that way. But uh, again, the development committee is having various conversations to see, okay, what can we do to improve the place, but also not break the bank in sure. the process? So we'll try and be looking to seeing what are the best ways to so ensure you, that the building is Do you know cool. what time your service is going to be? Yes. So in the summer, when we go back to the one service, we are aiming for 10 a.m. service. Yeah. So that'll be about an hour, an hour 15, an hour 20 minutes. So by about 11.20, we should be done our service. And it'll be so time it's not the hottest time. So it's not the hottest time. No. All right. Can I give a quick plug for yes. mission? I just I get to go there about every six weeks exactly, as an MC, yeah. and it's just a fun campus. And so if you've never checked it out as a listener, I'd encourage you to do that. It's a really yeah. responsive. People are into the message. They're amening and laughing along with Ezra as yeah. he's going. And uh, it's a small community, so it's easier to get to know people. Yeah. And every week, it seems like there's somebody that's coming for the first time, checking it out. We have one woman coming to our women's Bible study who's only been back to church three times in her life, and she's right away plugged into our uh, Bible study there on Monday night. So it's great. Crystal, tell me more about that. Like, let's say we know somebody that'd love to get involved in the women's ministry here at Northview. Like, what's the first part of call? Like, what, what would they need to do? Well, on their website has all our information, but we have every Monday night here in Abbotsford and in Mission, we have women's Bible studies going on. We're working through the book of James. They take a love offering. <laughs> no, we they don't. Do. No, they do. No, we don't. No, that's the first Jeff thing they do. Jeff doesn't know he's Whatever. never been there. Just, I don't know. <laughs> the first thing they do when they walk through, they're asked for money. Jeffrey, don't interrupt, okay? Crystal Staves International Ministries needs... <laughs> yeah, that's right. I need a, my face on the book cover. That that's I'm writing. right. That's exactly what yeah. it's all about. Um, nothing like a big glossy of your face. That's, that's what, what I always say. Crystal's all about her herself. Exactly. <laughs> but you're supposed to keep that secret for a bit longer. Is it, well, now that Jeff so rudely interrupted you, yeah. was that it? Was that was that everything you wanted to say? Well, I just want people to know that we're into really good, serious Bible study, and so we're doing the Book of James right now on Monday nights and Wednesday mornings, and our precepts group. Um, is doing the book of 1 Samuel, and we're just walking so through the Bible with what people. what is precepts? It's just a method of inductively studying the Bible, and they have their own curriculum uh, where they walk people through. They have Bible studies for every book. So it's just a, a certain Bible study method. And this, and we also have this women's groups meeting. In mission. In mission as well. Yep. Yeah, and we have some wonderful ladies there who are really diving into the Word of God. Yeah, Thank you so much for what you do, Crystal. Ah, it's great. Yeah. It's really amazing ministry. So, Jeff, you preach here periodically. Yeah, occasionally. <laughs> you show up every so often and Unless preach. I feel, Sick. you know, and moderately you, ill, and then I just go home. We only have a 9 a.m. and 11.15 service, and sometimes Jeff's like, oh, I'm just going to preach till 9 a.m. this service. Yeah, no, I'll go home. Go home. That's no, what but, happened this weekend, yes. Although, in my own Tell defense, me about that. I, would, no, I need to know, like, what was the thought process that went through your mind? You're like, you know what? I'm going to go home. Well, I was here at 6 o'clock <laughs> uh, or whatever, 5.30 on Saturday night, preached this sermon came back on Sunday when I, I've had a really bad cough and, uh, it, it's, I, I was very concerned that I was not going to actually be able to get through this sermon. You look pretty but I miserable on, today. On, Have you been feeling it? On Saturday. Yeah. On Saturday I made it through, but as soon as I'm done, I would, I, I had to walk behind the, the, uh, into the, what's called the green room and just cough myself silly for what amounted to be the next 20, 25 minutes. Oh, wow. Ugh. And, uh, and then I feel really sick, and I sweat a lot. And so I did that again at 9 o'clock, and, and uh, this time I went upstairs, and I had to lay on the cold floor uh, under my desk because <laughs> I was so hot. And uh, 
I was laying there, and one of our other pastors, Kyle Meeker, came in and said, are you sure you should be here? And I said, no, no, I got to preach the 11. And then one of our technical director, Lyndon, came in and said, dude, you need to not be here. And then our executive pastor said, why are you here? This is dumb. We can play the video. And I wanted to be a trooper. And I kept saying, no, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. But they were like, seriously, this is not a good thing. You had to, And I had to do a... I had to do some ministry on Saturday, on Sunday night with uh, a community church service, and I had to speak twice. So they had two services that they were doing, and I knew I was going to have to be there for five or six hours, and so, and I couldn't cancel that in any way. So I mm-hmm. had to go home and I slept for three hours, and then I went to that. That's one of the. So the... yeah, we had to show the video in the worship center from the nine a.m. service uh, instead of me preaching it. Mm. Um, which is probably end up being good because yeah. I I went home and it I was not well in any way. The problem is I've had this cough for a while now, so I'm hoping it goes away. This is the greatest fear of every preacher is you know you're getting you're gonna get sick when you need to go. It, it happens like once a year to me. Yeah, like I think well maybe yeah. The worst is stomach stomach illness because then you're yeah you can't like you that. Can, there's nothing you can do. You have to you can't you just can't do it. Uh, yeah. The problem is stuff with your voice is is terrible. Like if you have a cough, I can deal with most other stuff, yeah. like even sore throat and stuff. But when I have a cough, it's it like. It, and if it comes when you're now just about to go, oh, uh, it's just terrible. It's terrible. And then you also just pray, you know, that you don't get, like for example, a giant face rash. Or yeah. one time I had a bee sting my lips. Did and you? They swole up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I got shot one time with a paintball in the neck, and it was uh, I had to bleeding. Sp- and <laughs> I had to speak weekend, at a yeah. conference, and I went the first day, and I was playing ultimate frisbee with some of the guys who were there, and I broke my nose. And there was so much blood going down the back of my throat that it singed my vocal cords. Oh. And so I could only, like, raspy, whatever. And Broken I'm scheduled to speak. I'm spe- scheduled to speak for like three times over the next two days. So every sermon was like this. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. But oh, speaking, yeah. speaking of your sermon, uh, we had a question that was uh, sent in. So let's jump into things here. Um, it says this, uh, Jeff mentioned in the sermon that he had uh, a dealing with his insurance company in which he lost some money. This exposed an idol towards his money. My question is, why is it wrong to uh, to be upset about an actual injustice done to us? A business recently uh, stole money from me. Why is it wrong for me uh, to be upset about that? It's not. I want to worship a God of justice and a God who cares enough about me to provide it. Uh, wouldn't that mean sometimes not turning the other cheek? So, I'm... I'm- Assuming that you, that you misunderstood what I was saying with my illustration, my illustration was that the that this particular incident had had revealed to me that I love money. It's not the only time in my life that something like that has done, uh, but you need to set aside the idea, that, or you need to set aside the idea that it's only one thing. So I, I, I there was an injustice done. It is wrong for the insurance company to act with in the way that they have. And I am using every resource I have to try to reconcile that situation even now, right? I've talked to other people and, and we're, you know, using a broker who's going to come, he's communicating with the insurance company. So absolutely you should seek, I'm seeking restitution that way. 
But that's also not the only issue. The other issue is that it's it, it's it's shown me that I actually I'm, I'm worried about it because of my love of money. The, so I should be able to seek the to to reconcile or to to fix the injustice of it in a way that doesn't give myself over to some sort of idolatry. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. I'm I'm saying that I I that that you can you can love money like I did and I do and, and it can expose it and yet at the same time you can actually seek some kind of restitution. I'm just I feel like I'm running around in circles here and it probably has something to do with fact that I'm on drugs. <laughs> I think <laughs> it I think it depends on how much it obsesses you and how much you become fixated on it and whether in the midst of it you're trusting God to be just so, to you and take care of you in the long run. Like so, a, yeah, the bitterness is the is the peace. The bitterness and the frustration yeah. over the long haul I think shows that there is a that that, that there is quite likely an idol there. So, yes, it's is it right to want to change injustice? Sure, but it's not just the injustice. That's why I made the point in my story that if it was $6, would I still be as upset about it? Well, because if, if, it if it's only the injustice, hmm. then the principle would be the same if, if I lost 6 bucks versus 600 So my question for you is, okay, so you have this business dealing. If I were sitting across from you, I'd ask you, and you say, well, I lost $1,000. I'd say, okay, if it was 100 bucks. What would you be doing? Would you be do, as angry and bitter and frustrated and all those things? And if your answer to that question is no, I would not be, then I'm going to ask you, is it really the principle of injustice then that's got getting to you, or is it the fact that it's the money and you don't like losing money? So that's, that's my thing. It's a question I've asked several different people who've been in several different situations where they've lost money to businesses and things. I'm not suggesting that you necessarily need to turn the other cheek in the, in that regard, right? That you should use everything at your disposal to try to bring a, a good restitution in the end. But at the end of the day, you might be left in a situation where you have to just leave it to the wrath of God in Romans 12, right? Yep. And, and what are you going to do? Are you going to still be massively bitter? Or are you going to say, no, the Lord is the one who cares for me. And so really, the money's not really that, it's not really that important in the end. Jeff, how do you balance that the, you know that for that that challenge between not grasping hold of your money, but at the same time realizing that we live in a world of commerce and that it runs yeah, on it's money. A challenge, isn't it? That's why a lot of people. That's why. That's why there's so many warnings in the scriptures about money and about not having it. I mean, you have proverbs that say, "Give me neither poverty nor riches." And part of the reason you're not supposed, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you don't want poverty, so you don't steal stuff from everybody else. So you're not, thr- you know, you don't desire that, but. You're also not supposed to want riches because if we want if we want riches or we have them, ultimately, uh, it, it ends up removing the trust that we have in God. You know, Paul in, in Philippians chapter 4, where, you know, that very famous little verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. This is a notoriously misinterpreted text. But the context there is talking about money. It's, Paul's basically, he's received a gift from the Philippian church, financial gift from them. And he, say, he says in that passage, look, I don't, I don't actually need the money. Uh, I've learned the secret. This is his language. I've learned the secret of being content in whatever circumstance I'm in. I, I know what it's like to have want, and I know what it's like to have plenty. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So here's his point, that... 
if I have a lot of money or if I have a little money, it doesn't change the fact that I've got Jesus. And he's the, he's the one who provides for me all these. So that, this is the same point that's being made, made in, you know, when, when Baal is being, you know, thrown under the bus, is that you got God, whether or not, whether or not you got all this, you know, you're in drought or in flourishing season, you've got the Lord and the Lord's enough, mm-hmm. right? And so you, mm-hmm. can, you can trust him. Ezra, hmm. you came from Africa. Yes. You know what it's not. You know what it's like not to have very much, mm-hmm. and uh, especially you know there's so much. By the way, the wealth of the West that we don't even see the fact that I have running water, that I have hot water whenever I want. Um, you know the the yeah. list the list goes on, mm-hmm. and from small things that we just neglect on a daily basis. But as you've been living in the West, mm. do you find that it's quite easy <clears throat> to get caught up in like? In in the in the in the the consumer culture that we have, and like mm-hmm. how how often do you find yourself reflecting back on, the, you know, your time in Africa and how it shaped you? Mm-hmm. So you see, when I I I, I always uh, meet this challenge when I travel to Africa. So I get and you there. Just were, you were just there on a mission. I was trip. just in Uganda on a mission trip, and I swung by Kenya briefly as well when I was there. So when I go to Africa, and then I realize, okay, I just can't turn the tap on and water will run, water that is safe enough for me to drink. And there isn't any uh, cold glass of water from the refrigerator, not necessarily (coughs) available. And um, if if I need to get somewhere, it'll be a quick little zip in, zip out. My I don't have a vehicle when I'm there, and everything is just that much. It's 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 harder. And then I keep asking myself, Will I live here? Will I live here? Would I live here? Yes or no? Oh, I prefer living in Canada. Why? Oh, because I'm more comfortable there, and there's accessibility to a lot of things and all that. So I would say. Coming to North America, obviously, I see myself now, and a lot of people in Africa would want to live in North America. Why? Because it's easier. It's easier on the body. It's easier on the mind. It's easier to get stuff rather than it is in All Africa. All that's good stuff. Which is, which is good, but... Like, here, we should want that for Africa. Exactly. But the problem now becomes, when I was in Africa, and a lot of people in Africa, they trust the Lord way more mm. because... Lord, if you don't come through for me on this, then my ship is sunk. Mm-hmm. But here, but if here, you don't come through for me... I got my visa. Yeah, and I've I'll got my it. insurance company, yes. and I've got all these things. This is why I cited right. the passage in, in, uh, for the, in you know, the Jesus' words to the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3. You say I'm rich. I have nothing. I have no needs. That's us. Yes. So, right. I'm look, the reason I bring up money is because it is probably one of the chief idols of our day. And it it supposedly promises so much to us. And yet it it I mean it it is probably the chief competitor to our trust in the Lord. And I was trying to give an illustration of a real practical way where this happens. Yeah. Right? Where we end up trusting we we end up uh getting mad and upset about something when because the because the idol is there, and we feel better when that idol is is there. Mm-hmm. When the Lord is is constantly asking us to, you know what, Lo, you can trust me, and I can provide for you, right? Yeah, this is the challenge. It's a constant balancing act. That, you know, money isn't inherently bad. Uh, the problem no, is, is exactly the problem is is when it 
takes our attention off of God and puts it onto anything else. When, when, it becomes, when it becomes something you depend on for your joy, joy that only God can give you, yeah, now we have a problem. Right, but that's, I think that's my point, though, is that when, I mean, what Crystal is saying is that you end up getting, like, if I have more money, I'm inherently more, ha- I'm just really happy, right? I have more whatever. Or if, if some of my money is threatened, it's not just that I get a little upset about it at the injustice of it being threatened. I am devastated and angry on a level that you just ha- you can't imagine. Like I lose my mind about it, mm-hmm. and and that's the point that I'm making is that okay, but but should I be that angry about it? I'm not asking should you not seek restitution through legal means and all those things, mm-hmm. right? Because there are rule laws in place and whatever and injustices, and I'm just saying that there 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 there's an idol there. Mm-hmm. There is. Yeah. And my fear is that we will cover over that idol in the name of injustice. Well, I'm really upset about the injustice. Really? Okay. I don't think you're just as upset about the injustice. Well, that's the danger of an idol, right? Is is it has our attention? It, well, and we justify it. And all we the justify time. it. Right. That's right. And I think when you look at injustice in the Bible, fighting injustice, it's on behalf of another person. Yeah. It's not on your own behalf. So God would tell us to entrust ourselves to God, but to fight for the widow and the fatherless and the orphan and the people who are powerless, right? But we always get more mad about the things done to us hmm. and not mad enough about the things done to other people. I think the bigger question is to ask why. Why am I so mad exactly. about that? Yeah. Why am I so angry I'm about I'm just asking this? you to dig, out, dig yeah, around underneath, dig yeah. underneath your frustration and emotions. Mm-hmm. Like in the last two couple of days, um, we've had to deal with some other, other things in other areas, and I've had to go through this process again, even today. This morning, like, why am I so frustrated about this set of circumstances? Why this providence that has been thrust at me? Hmm. And you know, when you dig around, you realize very quickly, mm. oh, because I've trusted, I've trusted these things to provide for me joy, purpose, and meaning. Yep. When the Lord actually is the one who's going to provide that for me, mm-hmm. and it's hard. I'm not lying. It is. This is the hardest thing that I have to do. But this is quite a me. Quite honestly, this is the nuts and bolts of following Christ. Absolutely right. This is what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus: is to fight the fight of idolatry. Is to is to constantly repent and believe that God God alone can take care of me, mm-hmm. and not all the things that I supposedly run to, all the bales in my life. Yeah. And I think for many of us, that to get to that point where you say, okay, I'm totally surrendered to the sovereignty of God, my life, open checkbook, Lord, whatever you want, man, it's not easy. Mm-mm. Because the idols are so subtle and everywhere. Where we love the Lord and the other. Well, and this is the crazy part, right? That the 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 threat of idolatry is not in the bad is not bad stuff quite honestly you know what i mean like that we 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 are quick as christians we're like oh of course i'm not going to get involved in you know this or that and for some people gambling or whatever it is that they they inherently have this negative feeling about right things that are that are you know culturally seen even a little bit as seedy i'm not going to get involved in that but it's the it's the good stuff it's my kids sports it, which is a good thing. You should mm-hmm. take joy in your kids' sports, shouldn't you? I, right. I take joy in my kids' sports and their success, your children's success in school. You should be excited about that. You should take a lot of time and energy looking at that. Uh, your, your family, you should pay, be 
concerned. We have biblical passages that encourage us to to love our spouses and our children and not exasperate them and these sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. It's just when those good things become the ultimate things. And you usually know it's the mm-hmm. ultimate thing in the way you respond when it's threatened. That's that's my point, yep. is that you usually don't know ahead of time until it's threatened that you realize, oh dear, oh dear, I think I've made this something more than what it should be. It should be. And that's this is what my point this weekend is that it's in those moments that I it's actually would call those kind of Mount Carmel moments where the Lord is saying, okay, choose, your, choose who you're going to serve, yeah. right? Because the thing that you've been trusting in is not answering you in this moment. It's not. It's been removed and it's you're calling out to it and it's not answering you. But I can answer you. But it, it requires us to trust God in His time and His way and that's hard. Well, I'm going to jump in here with one more question to uh, wrap up our time. Uh, This question has to do with uh, some stuff that was brought up last week. Um, We talked about microaggressions and debate. Is it possible that we are microaggressing against minorities when we use Western white worship music to praise the Lord? The questioner asks. So, can I... I'm going to bring something up here. I, I think that you're going to get into some difficulty here if you're if you're going to suggest that there is some kind of worship music or some kind of language that you can use that is not somehow is not colored by a particular culture. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? There's no culture-free, mm-hmm. neutral well, language, language that is not going to, in some ways, be particular to your cultural background. And these sorts of things. So, if you're looking for microaggressions, everything you say is in some way microaggressing against someone else. Mm-hmm. This is why I think the language of microaggression is really troubling to me, is that it really, as Christians, we really should be people of grace and recognize. So, I should, on both sides, Ezra's going to have to recognize, Jeff, you come from a white background, and so sometimes you're going to be saying stuff to me that expects me to be... You know, way. adhering to white standards and things, stuff like that. Likewise, I'm going to have to be a man of grace and understand that sometimes Ezra is going to be saying things or getting frustrated about something. Oh, and I could fix that. But to somehow claim that I, you know, you have you have wronged me in this way is is just I, I think not understanding the way that we need to live together in different cultures around the around the world. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, uh, I can't help but wonder how would we even have any sort of frame of reference for worship or even understanding if we aren't worshiping in the language and the culture that we ident- that that that's the, a part of the us. problem is that the more tribalized our society gets, right? So the more multi-racial, a uh, multi-ethnic that our society gets, that there is a. Uh, that the question is is appropriate, right? Because yes, in some ways, you're 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 only singing songs that come from one particular background, and so in some ways, I just don't like the language of microaggression. To put a positive spin on it, in a tribalized culture and in a church that's increasingly multi-ethnic and multi multi-racial, should we not be embracing all the different all the different sounds and cultural backgrounds from the people? And the answer is yes, of course yes, of course yes. But to claim a a wrong by 
if the music is not what you like because you see what I mean you could do this generationally right. as well you could end up saying well I'm I'm older and I don't like certain kinds of music and so because you're younger and you're playing music that's louder you're microaggressing against me you yeah. know because I might be the minority in the church and you're not you're not giving me what I want this I is grew the up with the absolute organ. I don't like drums and I don't like the drums this I mean, is the absolute opposite of what a christian disciple how the christian disciple approaches worship Right, yeah. we come to worship God and to give to our brothers and sisters so that they might be edified. But so I see, should rejoice, right? That 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 older person or that younger person or, uh, over there is actually enjoying th- the music. But you see, uh, I'll speak as an immigrant here. Uh, from the, the the question assumes that I, the immigrant, is offended if I come to a church where they're singing English songs. That's an assumption they, 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 they would make because I went to Uganda and we went to church service. Or, or that they're not using certain beats that would be, uh, you'd be accustomed and, and, to and when you were is, younger. And that is an assumption. And that is an assumption of the question. Yeah, it's a wrong assumption. Because I was in Uganda and here I was the team of six other people, so it was seven total from North America, from Canada. We come there, so six whites and I, the black guy, but I'm not Ugandan. So I go to this church. They sang for about an hour, 10 minutes. And in the hour, 10 minutes, they sang one English song, one. And then the rest was all Uganda. It was great. Did I expect them to sing songs that I was accustomed to because now I'm there? Did they know we were coming? Yes. But did they change their worship for us? No. Now, we walked into that culture and we realized, you know, this is how they worship the Lord. Let's enjoy it. Some things we understood and some things we didn't understand. But the joy and the, and the engagement of their worship was great. And it was edifying to the people who, for us, who had come to visit. And I think it's the same thing when you have people coming from other parts of the world and they move in and they come to a church. Yes, should we sing maybe one song with a beat that is uh, familiar to them? Sure. But our lack of doing that doesn't... The people coming from other it parts of the world constitute, it. Yeah. It doesn't constitute a wrong. No, it doesn't. It's an assumption on our end, thinking that oh, maybe we should do this because no, I don't. I, don't, I personally don't agree with that. I remember listening to uh, an Indo-Canadian guy DJ talking about Christmas one time uh, around the Christmas season when there was all this debate about whether or not we should use the word Christmas in our schools and all this kind of stuff. And he said, like, as an immigrant, I came here not expecting you guys to change who you are for me. Yeah. We came here knowing that this would be your this traditions, is is. your holidays. We yeah. have our traditions, our holidays, we're fine with it. Yeah. And it was it was just interesting to me hearing from that, from his perspective. Yes, and in many ways, if, if say, a Canadian tried to incorporate other cultures, okay. you come off, it doesn't... Okay, you, but, you even in your, but even in your statement, this is the, this is the, this is the debate. Yeah. That even in your statement, you used the word Canadian and you equated it, I think, with white Caucasian. That mm-hmm. Canadian is not that. It's Canadian not that. is a mm. lot of things, and and that's mm. I think that's the the point is that we live in a we live in a culture. Yes, there's no question that where we live in the Fraser Valley is heavily white. There's no question about that, mm. right? And uh, yeah, however, there are cult- other cultures around, and there are other people. The question is, I would li- I would just like to put it more positively. Should we? be using various kinds of music in order to engage other people and to show that the kingdom is broader than just the way Coldplay sounds. Do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like there, 
or or whatever? And the answer, I think the answer is yes. I think yeah. that this is what, I mean, I'm, I'm listen, I'll put out a call to musicians and to people who are creative in this way to write music from their own cultural background. And we, I think we'd love to play it. Absolutely. But we also need to recognize that, you know, the majority culture here is a particular, uh, it has a particular sound. And I mean, especially with ubiqui- the ubiquity of, of radio and, you know, Spotify now and stuff and mm-hmm. the top 40 is all certain mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, on that note, we're going to cut it off there and we're going to welcome you and encourage you to come out and join us at our church here at Northview. Different campuses, whether that be the Mission Campus or the Abbotsford Campus. And as we worship together, that we continually remember that we're a place of grace and that we uh, seek to worship together as we uh, seek to edify each other as one body. Thank you for joining us for the extra podcast.